This is the Overclocked Podcast, a regular dose of video game music and conversation from ocremix.org. This week, we meet game composer slash developer combo Ben Burns, realize that we don't know Jack about Jack Wall thanks to a personal note segment, and make a strong attempt to catch them all in this week's Playlist. Hello, everybody. It's the Overclocked time. It's where we do podcasts. I I have a joke. I have a joke for you, Stephen. Is it better than my joke about Jack Wall and knowing Jack about Jack Wall? I will let the listeners decide. Okay. Do your joke. Wait. Uh, right. th- do your joke, Brian, and I, Stephen, will listen. We're the hosts of this podcast. Okay. Do your joke. Okay. So I have a joke. Okay. <clears throat> so <clears throat> why can I only hear Lauren Travia? out of my right ear why because she's playing a pan flute oh oh oh, 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 what a knee slapper that one was i'm smiling because you found my joke funny and i'm smiling because i found your joke funny what a coincidence (laughs) anyway hello everyone i sure hope laura listened to that and laughed that would make my day Mm-hmm. I think I laughed enough for the both of us, Brian. <laughs> That's probably true. So, uh, fun thing today, uh, the person I interviewed, I doubt you've ever heard of. I highly doubt about that, Stephen. Is the person you interviewed today, Ben Burns? Yep. I heard of him in the intro. <laughs> okay. You really should have realized that. <laughs> You're very clever, Brian. I didn't actually, <laughs> literally didn't think that through. <laughs> yeah, you didn't. So, so, who is Ben Burns, Stephen? Well, I assume you didn't know him because I didn't know him until recently. Uh, we kind of started talking via email. He's doing kind of the impossible in my mind, which is making a game and the soundtrack for it at the same time. Oh, yes. Yeah. So he's Toby Fox. He's to Yes, he is literally Toby Fox. This is just a pseudonym. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And apparently it's going to be a MAGFest. So we're going to get him meet him in person. So that'll be fun. Oh, wowza. That, that MAGFest is going to be real exciting. Wowza. It is. Oh, man. And speaking of MAGFest, um, that's coming up uh, in a week <laughs> or like less than I a week. don't choose to think about that. So I'm just going to say this at the top of the show. We are not going to have an episode next week because of said MAGFest. Um, yes. So this is going to be our final show of 2017. <laughs> How bittersweet. Brian's making noises with his lips. And that means it's like a noisemaker. You know, I know what it is. It's the new year. I get it. Okay. I understand. I get the feeling I'm annoying you today, Stephen. So there will not be an episode next week. Kind of a bummer. But we're going to come back with, um, I think like we did last time, actually, sort of a double-decker episode where we've got the best of 2017 going on. And we also have the best of MAGFest going on. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be all Cuphead music. Yes, that is correct. Um, okay, well, we go listen to the Cuphead soundtrack. <laughs> Let's go d- turn on our pre-recorded Remix Rewind so we can catch up with what happened on OC Remix last week. All the tunes! Let's look at the <laughs> Let's take a trip back to Resonance of the Pure Land, OCR's recent Secret of Mana album. Uh, but I know a shortcut, a back way that leads us through deep pools of synth and untamed percussion. Rizovian forged this trail with an unwavering sense of base, you see, and nobody knows exactly where it leads. Uh. 
all aboard! Hylian Lemon took a risk to smash inspirations from F-Zero and Kirby Planet Robobot together for a peppy, tireless take on the Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks, and multi-track drifting is the result. The samples are undeniably cute, as are the copious train puns in his submission description, earning him the Overclock Podcast seal of approval. Lullaby to the Desert is Rodok's interpretation of what Ganondorf's mother might have sung to a small Gerudo thief, played simply with a violin and guitar. Making an Ocarina of Time remix stand out after so many creative arrangements is tough, but Rodok managed to do it by pulling back instead of adding. Almost like this version has been the original all along.
We had snow in Houston the other day, so who cares that the 25th has come and gone? The holiday chill is sticking around, and Tamias222 celebrates this with a Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Mix for Community Album in Overclocked Christmas, Volume 11. The Lost Explorer slowly trudges through a blizzard of mysterious synth that sounds like rushing winds and sparkling snow. One might even call the overall vibe chill. Hee hee hee, har har har, ho ho ho. Close your eyes, quiet your mind, and step into Legend of the Seven Stars, an album of Super Mario RPG sights and sounds. Envision expert novice, brow furrowed, struggling to form a 20-second source loop into something bigger, something more. And so he searched a thousand thousand seashores for a thousand thousand seashells and climbed a thousand thousand mountains to pick a thousand thousand flowers. But with every new piece, the puzzle only grew more unsolvable. Expert novice became angry and cast the pieces aside with a mighty sweep of his arm, only to find the most beautiful secret he had ever seen. Nothing at all. Now open your eyes and open your ears to find lies my sniffets told me. Sometimes, the grandest vistas are found not in the mountains, but in the spaces between them.
of Hyrule rests with you. Newcomer Joe November gives The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild a hip-hop funk treatment that remains in constant motion, sprinkling the beats with piano riffs and vocal snippets from the game. So take up the Master Sword and step to the rhythm. You've got a quest to complete, and this is one time you'll want to listen to those voices in your head. A wistful heart is a culmination of effort that breathes life into a simple idea. Jorito began by taking Secret of Mana's fond memories and converting it into minor key. But orchestral samples can only express so much emotion, which is where John Stacy and Lauren the Flute came onto the scene. Live brass, flute, and vocals really make this track sing.
leave you wanting more Secret of Mana, be sure to check out the recently released Residents of the Peerland album on ocremix.org. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Intune interview. It's me, it's Steven, it's your regular host, and I've got a guest today. Surprise, surprise. This is kind of an interesting one because um, Ben Burns is someone I met recently who is a combo of a composer, but also a programmer. He's making his own game and, well, correction, he made his <laughs> own game <laughs> and made the music along to it. So anyway, Ben, welcome to the show. Hey. Hi, Steven. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm almost not sick since oh, last episode. That is an improvement. Mm-hmm. So in case anyone <laughs> was worrying about me, <laughs> I survived. But so, so who are you? What do you do? Okay, well, my name is uh, Ben Burns. I am a musician. I've composed uh, soundtracks for video games for about five years now. And about two years ago, I got the bug to actually start making games. And uh, very recently, I finished and published on Steam a game called Color Jumper, which is a precision platformer uh, akin to something like Super Meat Boy, except mm-hmm. that it has puzzle color matching elements, uh, which creates an extra wrinkle in the difficulty of the game. Um, but it's been going very well so far. I'm really pleased with how it's been received. That is excellent. Yeah. Um, I yeah. did. I have not played it. I did watch the trailer, and my mind sort of started spinning in on itself, <laughs> like trying to keep up with how I would solve those platforming puzzles. It yeah. seems like a very neat idea. Yeah, yeah. It's It's been a lot of fun to watch people kind of... Um, deconstruct the the idea of the game and, and figure out how it's uh, how it's played and how to beat certain levels it's it's always fun to watch somebody play the game blind because um, <laughs> it's it's very interesting to watch how they learn basically and how they how they um, go up against all these uh, new problems that they probably haven't dealt with before <laughs> and we'll get a little more into color jumper soon but something else that you've been working on that I like to start with I think um, sure is your two-hour track challenge and all the streaming you've done. So I started streaming about two, actually almost exactly two years ago. Um, and in January of 2016, I started a weekly stream called the two hour track challenge, which is where I sit down, um, turn on, uh, the stream and I make a song from start to finish, uh, with a time limit of two hours. Um, Mm -hmm. initially I was just kind of doing this as a, um, kind of almost more of an exercise to make sure that I do something every week. So I have something that I completed every week so I can, you know, I'm, I'm not stagnating as a, um, as a musician, but over time, um, I've gotten a a small following of people where I can interact with on the chat, which makes it a lot more fun because Mm -hmm. you're not only just writing music, but you're writing music with the input of, you know, a dozen other people, some of which who actually know a lot more about music than I do, to be honest. (laughs) So, um, it's, it's a lot into a situation where your audience is teaching you yeah yeah, <laughs> how to not, yeah teaching me and also offering suggestions that I just wouldn't have thought of which is is right. super cool from an inspirational point of view where I mean obviously you get a lot of um, you get a lot of suggestions for cowbell which you know <laughs> that that's gonna happen on the mm-hmm. internet but it's uh there's there's always a, some people that's like okay why don't you just try this and then you know 
I, I try it and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but it's always a lot of fun to do that kind of stuff on stream because it's uh, you get a lot more interaction and a lot more inspiration from from more people. Well, when you first started doing this um, and then people started joining audience slowly started growing mm -hmm. did you at all get nervous about people oh, yeah. watching you try to construct music real time <laughs> oh yeah no there are definitely especially in the in the first and second seasons of the two-hour track challenge mm -hmm. um there are definitely songs that uh that did not shine as much as some of the later ones but yeah i i had a lot of fun with it and it's very interesting watching the progression from the first season um up until the current season the fourth season and um the, the first season had very kind of rudimentary songs just like getting an idea and knocking mm -hmm. it out and now once we're in the fourth season the more recent ones it's it's been a lot more intricate and detailed and um, lately I've been going off of a, um, a sheet of challenges from the video game music Academy website mm. where some of them offer challenges related to video games, like create a water level or create like a, a lava level or something like that. And others are focused more on like music theory, uh, challenges mm. like mm -hmm. use a borrowed chord or, you know, stuff like that. So, um, it also helps with the learning because it forces me to sit down and be like, okay, I need to, I need to use a barred chord in this song. And so I have to just like sit down and do it again. It's kind of like going to the gym. You just got to sit yeah. down and do it. <laughs> do you feel like you have like a defined genre or style that you normally stick to? And does this make you kind of venture out into other ones? Yeah, I definitely uh, like to stick to the, the chill out and kind of jazzy down tempo stuff. It's, mm -hmm. it's, my safe zone for sure. And, um, a lot of the challenges are a little bit more upbeat. I know there was one, uh, recently where I had to do a jungle theme for like, uh, and it kind of came out like Donkey Kong country, which makes me very happy. I go into these with very little knowledge of what's going to happen at the end of it. So right. it's it's a lot of fun to, to sit down and um, see where things go, but it's also very stressful. <laughs> well, because a lot of music creation is experimentation and throwing things out that don't work. But yeah. if you only have two hours and an audience, do you try to minimize the amount of like, you know, going back and deleting what you've done? Sometimes. Um, there are definitely times where I've been a half hour in and I'm just like, this isn't working and I just trash the whole thing. I've, mm -hmm. I've done that a couple times. And I think that um, if anything, um, and, I, and I recommend this for everybody, um, if you do timed challenges, you will get better at what you do. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. if you're doing writing or painting or music or anything. Um, you will do better at what you do because you will find all the flaws in your workflow. You'll find right. them very, very quickly, and you'll have to learn how to overcome those flaws. And um, one of my biggest flaws when I started is I never threw anything away. Uh -huh. You got to do that. To be fair, a lot of people trip themselves up by doing that too much. So at least you didn't yeah, fall into true. that trap where you weren't able to put anything out because you were so self-conscious about it, which is really easy to do. Yeah, and uh, I, def I, I had that problem very early on. I've been writing music for 
20 years almost now. So it's, uh, it's definitely been a learning process. Um, but yeah, I've, I've definitely been in the trap where I make something and I throw it out and I make something, I throw it out and it's just, Mm -hmm. nothing's ever good enough. And, um, you just got to learn to lower that bar real low so you don't be disappointed in yourself. And then you can right. <laughs> then you can work on, you know, raising it back up again uh, once the song is already kind of rolling. Because, you know, that the first 15 minutes of writing any song is going to be kind of awful mm-hmm. because you're using like the raw waveforms or you're just using very basic chord progressions. And it's very easy to be like, well, this is something I've wrote, written a thousand times and you just throw yes. it out. But you got to you got to power through that sometimes and see where it goes rather than just tossing it out right away. Yeah, it's nothing you got to remember, even when listening to grand orchestral suites. When those um, orchestral suites are being written and presented to the rest of the team on a game or something, they're full of like holes and like MIDI sounds. Like they don't, <laughs> oh, yeah. they don't start off that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, how do you like? What do you think you've learned from doing all the streaming? How do you think you've grown as you know a, a music maker? I feel like I'm much better behind a microphone than I ever would have been uh, two years ago. Uh, that's um, a good that's, point. That's that's one of the most surprising things for me where I'm actually – I used to be a very, very uh, strong introvert where I mm-hmm. never really talked to anybody. Um, I kind of just kept to myself. Even uh, even my wife tells me that I've kind of changed how I talk to people or talk with people um, over the past couple of years because I'm just more comfortable talking. Yeah. Um, I'm more used to my voice and I'm more used to formulating sentences in my head. Um, on the fly rather than yes. just like <laughs> sitting there and just listening to other people talk, which is, you know, what, what I usually do or what most people do as an introvert. And, you know, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that, but it's still a useful skill to have to oh, be yeah. able to, you know, suddenly come out and not do what I'm doing right now, which is <laughs> stumbling over every word. But yeah. uh, I mean, of course, I can relate with that pretty fiercely. I used to be um, terrified of other human beings. <laughs> yeah, I think podcasting yeah. <laughs> really helped with that. Yeah, and we were talking very briefly before we started recording that you were at Megfest last year. Mm-hmm. And um, if I hadn't, I, I did a I did a panel there uh, last year called uh, Breaking into Game Audio with a couple mm-hmm. friends of mine. And if I hadn't been streaming for a year prior to that, I don't think I would have done any anything on that panel. I don't think I would have been able to say a, a word because I just would have stuttered all the time. <laughs> right. So it's. Um, I would I would honestly recommend that people try it at least once just to see what it's like. You might like it. Part one of the interview is done. Now we're going to go to part two. Let's talk about Color Jumper. Color Jumper um, was two years of my life, which <laughs> I, I, I like saying it like that, but it really wasn't that bad. I um, I had a lot of fun developing Color Jumper. It was something that I had always, always wanted to do since I was a little kid. I mean, everybody who plays video games mm-hmm. always kind of thinks about, oh, man, I'd love to make my own game. And I was um, fortunate enough to have the, the skills necessary to not only understand how coding works, but also how to write music and do the the art in mm-hmm. the game and the art in the game is fairly simplistic and that's intentional but um just just have uh enough skills in each category to be able to uh to actually produce and um 
put a game out into the world, which is super cool. Like you mentioned, almost everybody thinks about making a game. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly have. Um, I screwed around with Game Maker and RPG Maker oh, yeah. when I was younger and had plenty of fun, but never really you know, made a whole lot other than just like in-jokes for my brother. <laughs> but, um, what made you actually you know, jump off the ledge and do it? Um, one of my friends uh, started using Unity, which is what Color Jumper is made in. Uh, mm-hmm. One of my friends started u- using Unity because he's also a, a coder, a developer. And he told me to try it. And I realized that the tools are now available for anybody to start making games. Like you mentioned Game Maker and RPG Maker and everything else. And those tools are available now and they're basically cheap as in free, which is great. Um, And I saw this same thing happen to music about 10 years ago when uh, suddenly you could buy a DAW, a digital audio workstation. Right. And it was really cheap, and it came with everything you needed to make a song. And all of a sudden, everybody could make songs. And it was so super cool. And it's interesting watching um, the the indie game dev community go through the same growing pains as the indie music community did about a decade ago, because everybody used to uh, dump on FL Studio because it sounded generic and bad. Mm -hmm. And any song Mm -hmm. made in FL Studio was generic and bad. And that sounds very familiar to how people treat Unity now. (laughs) Um, Even though you can still make absolutely fantastic games in Unity. Um, um, Hearthstone was made in Unity, as well as that Oni and the Blind Forest game that came out a year ago now. And those games are beautiful. But they're so generic and similar. They're like exactly the same (laughs) I know, right? They have no art direction and they're not popular (laughs) at all. I don't know what you're talking about, Ben. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I... I, I, I picked up Unity, and I uh, I had already been familiar with uh, programming, but not in C-sharp, so that was something that I kind of learned along the way. Mm-hmm. Color Jumper was a very, very serious learning experience for me when it came to kind of just making and outputting a game, which I was intentional. Like, I wanted to learn, and I, I like to learn things, so mm-hmm. that's... That's just what I that's what I did. And it was a lot of fun. Like I said, it took me a little over two years, but um, I'm really happy with the result. Did you first decide you wanted to make a game and then invented the concept or did you have the concept and say, now I need to make a game? Um, I actually had started making a, uh, a, a crappy little super crate box clone. Uh, uh-huh. my, my, my first game, which I never really finished. And I'm actually trying to pick up again now just to see what I can do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I, I had kind of messed around with uh, other prototypes before, but um, I always had you know a list available of ideas. And all of a sudden, one day I was uh, I was just writing things down. I was like, you know, it'd be pretty cool if your character had four different colors and you had to use those to you know move around, traverse a level, and that level would basically the level layout changed depending on which way your character was rotated. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it made for a very interesting idea. And I was very surprised when I looked around and nobody had really done anything exactly like that before. There was definitely like color matching games and mm-hmm. light platforming with color matching and, you know, stuff like that, but nothing where it was really like the hardcore platforming with, uh, with, a, um, a very strong puzzle mechanic like that. So, right. and I was definitely inspired by, um, are you familiar with the game 140?
it's um it's it's an abstract platformer um but it's very heavily music based where everything is in time to the the song that's playing in the background it's it's a really cool game and um really really smart mm-hmm. uh and i i think i had recently played that I really like the music in it and I wanted to start making a platformer game. So that's kind of, right. that's kind of what I did. And it's was, uh, it was a lot of fun. That's extremely cool. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Once you had their prototype going, how did you match music to it? What was your approach? Oh man. The music was like the last thing I did, which as, oh. as somebody who does music for games, it always bothers me when, they, they, people come to me and be like, okay, I'm releasing this game in two months. Can you make a soundtrack for me? <laughs> and then I did the exact same thing to myself where it's like, okay, I'm putting this game out November 1st, no matter what. Now I need music for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was actually very heavily inspired by, um, I'm going to butcher his last name, but Vincent, um, who did the music for Inc. and for Hacky Zack, mm-hmm. uh, which are indie games that came out recently. Um, Vincent did an amazing job on those soundtracks. I unfortunately can't remember his last name right now. Um, but he's he's a really cool guy. I actually hung out with him a little bit at MAGFest last year. Oh, fine. And um, he has this interesting new jazz fusion style that mm-hmm. uh, works super well for the games that he did. Anything else you want to talk about before we start to wrap up? I don't know. Um, I did briefly mention like the YouTube stuff. Just like mm-hmm. I, I really love uh, teaching, and um, I, I try to run a couple creative uh, a series called Creative Exploration, where I talk about a different facet of creativity every week. Um, like last week, I was talking about the dichotomy of being a person, being a personal. Uh, or a personable uh, person, like being outgoing and affable and trying to get mm-hmm. people's attention, and then being a machine where you have to basically put something out every week, or some you know people will start to like not yeah. pay attention to your work anymore. It's 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 super cool to have um, kind of an outlet for this because I'm always thinking about not not necessarily the psychology of creativity, but just like the um, how it works, like how it functions, mm-hmm. and how you can be a more efficient creator. I I really like. Uh, talking about that kind of stuff so it's oh, that's it's super awesome. cool yeah it's super cool to have an outlet like that i um i i, I don't know I, I i could talk about creativity all day it's it's pretty crazy <laughs> i've i've got to check that out and potentially set up a second interview with you to talk about that yeah i would love to talk to you about that stuff i, I mean I, unless you want like a three hour long interview <laughs> uh, <laughs> trust me i've learned yeah. that i can't record three yeah. hour long interviews or i hate myself when, when oh, i yeah. to edit them. editing editing that is a monster i've done that before but until then where can people find out more about you and about your music follow you online that kind of stuff sure i'll go through the general spiel Okay. Uh, I have a, a Twitter account. Uh, Twitter is my primary form of communication if it's not Discord these days, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me there at Ben underscore Burns, B-U-R-N-E-S. Um, I can always, I'll, I'm, I'm willing to talk about basically anything, creativity, music, art, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's always cool to meet new people. Um, I have a YouTube channel, which I mentioned briefly, which is also Ben underscore Burns. 
and um, that is I have the creative exploration just about every Friday. Um, every Monday I have kind of a random video that I talk about. Um, lately I've been doing uh, brief post-mortem episodes on Color Jumper. I've mm-hmm. also restarted my Audio Basics series. I actually um, released an episode today talking about the dry-wet knob and how most people use it wrong, um, at least when they're starting out, because uh-huh. it's, it's kind of a confusing concept, which is um, – kind of surprising for something that's so fundamental in all effects. It's it's very easy to misuse. And um, on Wednesdays, I do the two-hour track challenge, which is actually streamed on YouTube, so you don't have to go get a Twitch account if you don't want to. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, yeah. So that is Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time. I uh, stream for about two hours and 15, 20 minutes. And uh, I do post all the recordings. If you are interested in watching uh, all 100 and whatever recordings of the two hour track challenge, all mm-hmm. of them are on YouTube. So if you want to spend 250 hours of your life um, <laughs> watching all those, you're more than welcome to. <laughs> but don't do that until you finish going through the whole backlog of the Overclocked podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Just wa- just listen to it about the same time. Most of mine's just <laughs> most of mine's just music repeating anyway. Um, and I also have a Patreon account which uh, people can support me. Uh, for the two-hour track challenge and all the educational content that I provide on YouTube. And um, if you are a developer or somebody who makes uh, videos or games or anything else, all of the music that I create is available to be used in your projects with attribution. So oh, if excellent. you support, yeah, if you support my Patreon at the $1 a month level, you're welcome to use any of my songs in anything as long as my name's associated with it. Cool. So um, I'm sure you're familiar with Incompetech, um, the... Um, mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, the, the site that has like the one guy and 3000 <laughs> songs or something. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, I have I have my tiny little library and I want to I want to kind of do the same thing he does, because I think it's really valuable to just help other creators out. It's it's uh, extremely valuable. Yeah. yeah. I want more people to get in on that. Yeah, definitely. So that is me. Twitch, Twitter, Patreon and YouTube. That's where you can find me. Just go to slash Ben underscore Burns for any of those and uh, you'll find more information about me. Excellent. And we'll have some stuff in the show notes, too, so you can go click on some links. But that was nice and elegant and efficient. Well done. I have practice. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Ben. Well, thank you very much for coming out and hanging out with me for a while. This has been a total pleasure. Yeah, Stephen. It's been super fun. Indeed. And for now, we're going to head back to the rest of the show. Howdy, folks. I'm Jeff McMillan, and this is a personal note. personal note shows a composer's works throughout his or her career and catalogs the evolution of his or her compositional techniques. For this week's segment, we will look at the life and career of Jack Wall, the composer for a number of games in the Myst series, Mass Effect series, and the Call of Duty series. Jack Wall began his professional life as a civil engineer after acquiring his Bachelor of Science degree from Drexel University in Philadelphia. He briefly had a career in planning out subdivisions and shopping malls while partaking in his musical interests by playing regularly in a rock band. After recording a demo for the first time, he took the plunge into music and left his old profession behind. He worked primarily as a producer and a recording engineer for a number of artists including John Cale, one of the founding members of the Velvet Underground. After seeing and being inspired by John's compositional process, 
he switched gears and focused on music composition. In the latter part of 1995, Jack Wall was living in Los Angeles and had recently gotten married to singer and songwriter Cindy Shapiro. She had connections to Ron Martinez, who was running a game company called Postlinear Entertainment. Jack began writing the scores for two of his games while working on other games during that time. The first four years of his career saw the releases of games for which Jack wrote the scores, such as Vigilance in 1997, 10-6 and Flying Saucer, both in 1998, Evil Dead Hail to the King and Animorphs Know the Secret, both in 2000, and Barbie Secret Agent in 2001 before his first big break later that year with Mist 3 Exile. Mist 3 Exile was Jack Wall's first critical success in 2001. Here, he studied the scores for the first two games in the series, which were both written by Robin Miller in order to maintain the series' sonic familiarity while also taking the series in a direction that more suited Jack's style. While Robin's scores focused more on ambience and atmosphere, Jack brought greater attention to melodic content. He used a live orchestra to record the groundbreaking score. One such track from the score that put Jack on the map is Saavedro's theme. From 2001 to late 2004, Jack's success opened up doors to score for a number of smaller titles such as Disney's Extremely Goofy Skateboarding, Disney's Ultimate Ride, The Mark of Cree, Ben-Hur Blood of Braves, Unreal 2 The Awakening, Wrath Unleashed, and Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Pandora Tomorrow. 2002 also saw the advent of the Game Audio Network Guild, an organization dedicated to improving the livelihood and quality of life and workmanship for game audio professionals across the globe. Then, in late 2004, Jack Wall would write the award-winning score for Mist 4 Revelation. Here, he expanded on the work he did in Exile by opening listeners' ears to music used outside of the Western world with tracks like Welcome. In 2005, Jack Wall produced the concert series Video Games Live alongside industry veteran and Game Audio Network Guild co-founder Tommy Tallarico. He would also go on to write the score for Rise of the Kasai. For this game, he expanded his compositional repertoire by incorporating Eastern instruments into his works. Examples of this can be found in the track Toporoku Battle.
2005 would also see the release of Neopets, The Darkest Fairy, before Jack's next award-winning score for the game Jade Empire. As he did before with Rise of the Kasai, he integrated Eastern instruments into his compositions while still giving his Western audiences a sense of familiarity that had always been at the root of his music. One such track is The Water Dragon. Jack Wall's next big break came in 2007 with the release of Mass Effect. This time, he incorporated electronic elements into his work while still maintaining his classical roots. He continued to garner praise and awards for his work on this game, which included tracks like Criminal Elements. Jack followed up the success of Mass Effect with the score to its sequel, Mass Effect 2, in 2010. He wrote the music with darker and more mature tones to overall reflect the story's progression up to that point in the series. An example of this can be heard in the track, A Rude Awakening. In 2012, Jack Wall penned the score for Call of Duty Black Ops 2. He developed a more cinematic flair for his work thanks in part to his prior work on the Mass Effect series. He would write tracks for this game like Catch Me If You Can. Jack wrote the music for Lost Planet 3 in 2013, before returning to the Call of Duty series in 2015 with the soundtrack for Call of Duty Black Ops 3. He would continue the success that he achieved from the previous game with tracks like Chasing Secrets.
Within the last year, Jack Wall wrote the score for Into the Stars, and he continues to pioneer the cause for advancing the knowledge and understanding of game audio professionals and the developers who interact with them by serving on the advisory board for the Game Audio Network Guild. For more information, visit www.jackwall.net. Until next time, take it easy, everybody. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of the Overclock Podcast. Thank you, Ryan, for channeling Captain Kirk with your... Steven may have gotten rid of me after the intro and just spliced different clips together. I can neither confirm nor deny this, but Brian, I appreciate you being here anyway. Thank thank you. Uh, Well, speaking of thanking, I'd like to thank Ben Burns for that delightful interview and i can't wait to meet up with you at magfest and of course everyone else as well and jeff thanks for the segment we learned all about jack wall didn't we brian thank thank you all right well we are gonna take off for the rest of the year thanks everyone so much for listening through all of these many months we've been here um i'm sorry i finally had to get rid of brian it's a solo show now uh but it's, <laughs> you'll you'll get used to it um and i hope we'll see you at magfest too if you're going to be going please please definitely Send us a message. One of the best ways to keep in touch with us will be heading over to the Discord. Um, mm-hmm. You'll find it linked in our Twitter, and I'm sure we'll be talking about our MAGFest plans and stuff on there. Now we're going to go into the playlist. The Playlist is a weekly collection of listener-submitted recommendations so we can all discover music together. This week's theme is Pokemon Music. Emolga's Tall Forest from Learn With Pokemon Typing Adventure and submitted by Snurfsnarf. Guzma Battle Theme, Jazz Cover, originally from Pokemon Sun and Moon, remixed by Insane in the Rain, and submitted by Black Doom.
Dialga slash Palkia battle at Spear Pillar! Exclamation point. Originally from Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, remixed by Takahiro Nishi, and submitted by Patchpin. Viridian City, from the Pokemon To Be A Master album, and submitted by Sothen.
battle exclamation point versus Magma Leader Maxi slash Aqua Leader Archie from Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire and submitted by Square Evil. <laughs> Why did we do a Pokemon playlist? Lost Lorne Forest from Pokemon Black and White and submitted by Tamias222. Super effective! Originally from Pokemon Red and Blue, remixed by Fishy and Andy Jane, and submitted by Andy. But a different Andy. Weird. Forest Fire, originally from Pokemon X and Y, 
remixed by Amphibious, and submitted by Leslie. National Park, originally from Pokemon Gold and Silver, remixed by Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver, and submitted by Major Third. Cynthia Battle, originally from Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, remixed by Pokemon Sun and Moon, and submitted by Phoenix Down. 
You've been listening to the Overclock Podcast. We'll be taking a break from MAGFest next week, but start getting your entries in for the best of 2017. Anything that debuted this year is fair game. To submit your suggestions, or just say Happy New Year, hit us up on Twitter at OCR Podcast. Email us at podcast at ocremix.org or visit us on the forums at ocremix.org. This week's lyrical wisdom? I want to be the best there ever was. To beat all the rest. Yeah, that's my cause. Electrode Diglett. Nidoran, Mankey, Venusaur, Rattata, Fero, Pidgey, Sea King, Jolteon, Dragonite, Ghastly, Ponyta, Vaporeon, Polyrath.